Good morning, good day, good evening, good night, good afternoon, whatever time you're joining us again for another episode of First Aid Basics. I'm your host, Jay. Before we start today's episode, I would like to give a huge thank you and shout out to Jeremy in Ireland. Uh, Jer- Jeremy reached out to me via email and uh, wanted to thank me for the show, the podcast, etc. And I asked him during the course of our email exchanges what he would like to uh, hear from a podcast. And coincidentally enough, it just happened to be co- coinciding with this planned uh, episode for wound care. So he was asking about bandaging and different wounds. And that just flows with my natural, logical uh, train of thought whenever I teach a class after the the CPR and the choking and all that's done. Then we get into the actual meat and bones of first aid, which always for me begins with wound care. And then we, we move in a little bit deeper. So thank you very much, Jeremy, for reaching out to me. And I hope all is well in Ireland. So with no further ado, let's do today's episode. Today's going to be an introduction, so it's going to be a little shorter than normal to wound care. And this podcast is going to, we're going to talk about some anatomy of the skin structures. And we're going to talk about uh, dressings versus bandages, different types of dressings, when to apply them. Um, and the different types of wound care treatments options that are out there at at a basic first aid level or at a over-the-counter level that you may be able to buy, purchase, or make at home, all right? So with the anatomy, the skin is broken down into different levels. And uh, like I said, preparing for today's episode, I wasn't sure how deep, yes, that was a pun, or superficial, another pun, I wanted to go with the anatomy. So we're just going to keep it very basic. If you're in, you know, in nursing or medical school or paramedic training, and you're learning learning all these sub pieces of the epidermis, have at it. That's good for you. I considered it, and I thought it really doesn't matter when you're applying a bandage or trying to control bleeding, what the stratus epivarium is, you know, let's just go with a different level. So we have the epidermis. That's the part you can see and touch. Okay. That basically is the, the din, the dead skin cells that are sloughing off. And, um, below that's the dermis and the dermis is a little bit thicker than the epidermis, quite a bit thicker. And below the epidermis is the subcutaneous tissue. And all that is a big fancy words going back to the previous episodes where I broke down some of the Latin root words. Sub just means under and cutaneous, right? So under the cutaneous area. And below the subcutaneous tissues, and the subcutaneous tissues just to simplify is what we would call the fatty tissue, um, is the dermis. So that's your, your bottom layer of the actual skin itself. Now in these layers, you have some blood vessels and other nerve endings and and different functions as well. So um, in the subcutaneous, in the uh, dermal layers, you can have 
various types of blood vessels, nerve endings, um, touch receptors, etc. So all this is composed into your skin. And the skin is the largest organ in the body. When it's not broken, so it's fully intact, it is watertight. And it protects you from the elements. So if you don't have a pair of gloves and someone is bleeding and your skin is intact, without even the hint of a micro tear or a needle stick or anything, your skin is, is that's to protect you. Okay? Another job of your skin besides protection is uh, thermal regulation. It, it, it helps regulate your body temperature. Okay. Now, there's a part in the brain that that's its master function, but the the skin also aids in thermal regulation. Another function of the skin is to help get rid of um, tox, toxins or poisons or whatever you want to call it uh, by sweating. So it releases uh, chemicals and fluids that help our bodies get rid of those uh, unwanted uh, items. Okay. Another purpose or use of our skin, besides all those listed, is it gives our, our body an outer layer, okay? So instead of walking around with muscles, just the muscles and the, and the uh, things like that, it gives our body some, some structure and some uh, form, okay? Moving on to dressings and bandages. A dressing, and a lot of people get confused, we use those terms inter interchangeably, but a dressing, quite simply, is that piece of cloth or device directly onto an open wound. Okay? The bandage holds, can hold the dressing in place or aid as a um, something to give it more pressure, okay? So like a pressure bandage. So dressing most ideally should be sterile or at least clean because with any open wound, there is a risk of infection. And we want to keep it as clean as possible. That's why anytime you see in a first aid kit, uh, there are dressings that are in individual wraps, okay? And they're classified as being sterile. I know not everyone has a formal, you know, nice and shiny first aid kit. So use the best, cleanest material you have to apply to a wound. An improvisation, which I really encourage uh, if you don't have the formal first aid box from, from a pharmacy or a store, sanitary napkins are excellent. They're absorbent and they're clean. Um... Another improvisation is using towels or sheets that are cleaned. Okay. You don't want to use anything that's stained or, or been in a garage because they're uh, full of oil or grease or other germs. And there are different types of dressings for different kinds of wounds. If you have access to um, maybe what's called quick clot and I think that is a brand name and I'm not endorsing that particular um, 
company or its product. It just happens to be one that I have in my first aid kit. Um, that is used for really uh, stubborn open wounds that are having a hard time being bleeding is being controlled. It's a, it's a sort of a chemical agent, a sponge, however you want to look at it. Um, and it does help aid in controlling bleeding that is not otherwise easily controlled. Over the course of this episode and the following episodes, uh, we're going to talk about wound care control. Okay. Maybe not stopping the bleeding all the way, but at least controlling it to the point where they're not bleeding to the point of uh, irreversible shock. Okay. We in Canada do teach the use of tourniquets. I am making a stand here on this podcast not to teach tourniquets because I as an instructor and a healthcare professional feel that that type of skill is best obtained in a formal classroom training or at least someone that you can practice with because um, trying to give verbal direction on how to apply a tourniquet properly I feel is not worthwhile in this podcast so we're going to go with the red acronym rest have the person sit if you can elevate great and most importantly apply direct pressure to that wound so we are trying to control the bleeding so with our first dressing That's the initial one that's going to go on the wound. We want to look at the mechanism of injury. What caused this wound to happen? Was it just maybe the tiniest little uh, cut with a knife in the the kitchen? Or was there some kind of serious trauma going on to this person? So with the mechanism of injury, we want to find out through talking to our, our casualty, you know, what happened. So that goes back to your sample questions that I discussed in the uh, primary and secondary survey episode. If you have not uh, heard those, go back and listen to it. Um, so when you're talking to the person, if they're able to uh, uh, give you an answer, find out what happened. You know, was it just something minor? Was it major? Kind of give you an idea of if you can handle the, the situation by yourself or will additional resources need to be uh, called upon, okay? So every first aid kit should have some supplies, just the basic supplies. Gloves, lots and lots of gloves, okay? Two pairs of gloves are not going to do you any good, but if that's all you have, that's all you have. Okay. Um, some kind of face shield or barrier device, if you choose to go uh, with artificial respirations during the CPR portion. Uh, and I covered all that during the CPR uh, podcast itself. Bandages, various sizes of bandages and dressings. Some can be bought at a store, some can be made. So I'm thinking of uh, what can you make from from your home that can be used as for uh, bandaging a wound over top of a dressing or when we get into 
bone joint and bone and joint injuries, what can we use to help stabilize this in place? In bandaging, one of the most first versatile pieces of equipment you could have in your stockpile or your first aid kit or whatever is a triangular bandage. So in making one, you can use an old sheet or a large towel, depending on how you're going to be using this triangular bandage. The length is generally 18 to 24 inches by um, similar dimensions on each side. So um, the triangle itself, the widest piece at the bottom, the base as we call it, that should be about 18 to 24 inches or whatever you have that's a suitable uh, length. And the sides of each of the triangle should be similar in the length as well. So when you're cutting, you have the tip, which is the point, you have the sides, you have the base, which is the most widest piece. And this can be used for most any kind of holding a dressing in place or stabilizing a fracture or stabilizing a body part. So very, very versatile piece of equipment to have in your first aid kit. Some other pieces of equipment, like I mentioned, the sanitary napkins, diapers are absorbent, uh, given that the... Uh, that the actual material itself is still intact because they do have some of them have like little uh, chemical beads in it to help it be more absorbent we don't need that getting into the wound itself more traditional items would be what we call four by fours and those that's actually um, a length which is four inches by four inches square okay. even in the metric system we still call them four by fours just rolls off the tongue easier than, than saying I'm in their metric equivalent. Uh, 10 by 1 centimeter by 10 by 1 centimeter. just doesn't roll off the tongue as well as 4 by 4 does. Uh, another thing if you can have in your uh, first aid kit would be abdominal pads. So this kind of goes back to the similar idea of the, the sanitary napkins. Okay, They're absorbent. They're great for medium to large size wounds. Another thing, if you have access to, is uh, non-stick dressings. These are really, really good for burns. So when we talk about burns in the next episode, um, these are the best type of dressings to have because where they have a little uh, coating on the outside, they won't stick to the wound bed as, as easily as a regular uh, woven material like a 4x4 would be. Okay. some gloves, various size of bandages. And this kind of goes into the commercial um, pre-made bandage slash dressings. Um, and, and there are different uh, brand names out there. And there is one that comes to mind that uh, has been around for a long, long time. And um, so that's not a company that I'm endorsing either. So I'm trying to avoid using brand names at all possible. So you have these combination dressing bandages, and they have a, um, some kind of a sticky glue on either side of the bandage, so it holds in place. Okay, so various sizes of those. A um, couple of uh, eye pads, so they're little oval pads that are soft. 
if that is not available, you can use uh, a two by two, which is uh, the smaller equivalent of a four by four, obviously. And uh, they can be used for eye coverings as well. A couple of other items you, you really want to have in your first aid kit if you're making one from scratch. A good pair of scissors, preferably uh, the paramedic type. And the reason I say that is, or the nursing type, and there is a difference. The paramedic uh, shears or, or scissors, they are meant to cut through heavier material. Uh, one side of the blade is sharp, the other side has got uh, sharp, uh, little cuts in it so you can dig in to uh, more tougher material okay or nursing shears the reason they both or rec I recommend both is they have blunt ends, so there's a uh, little to no chance of sticking yourself or the person you're trying to treat with a pair of scissors okay uh, another thing you really want to have for your your dressings and such is maybe some tape if you have tape available. When it comes to dressing, holding a, a dressing in place, I use the three T's, twist, tuck, or tie, or tape, so, so sorry, four T's. Twist, tuck, tie, or tape, if you have available. Another thing you wanna really keep in mind for, for good wound care is uh, having some hand sanitizer for yourself and some kind of a cleaning agent for the wound. As we go into the different types of wounds in our upcoming podcast, each type uh, you want to either recommend using certain treatment or avoid certain treatment depending on the type of wound it is. So for basic wound cl cleaning, uh, an antibiotic cream is fine, over-the-counter antibiotic cream, the initial cleaning, clean tap water. So I'm, I'm saying here in Canada, our municipal water is cleaned and there's enough uh, bleach and other agents to kill any bacteria that's that's in most uh, minor wounds on that topic um, we do not promote the use of peroxide now from a nursing standpoint we we stopped this as a general practice well over 20 years ago but there's still people in the general public who um, don't know that we stopped using peroxide and don't know why. So the reason being is, uh, yes, it does get the bacteria and other germs out of the wound, but it um, can cause damage to the skin tissue surrounding the area. So wherever you poured that peroxide at or dabbed that peroxide, if that touched um, any of the non-injured uh, skin, that can actually have a... A, a very bad effect on the healing process so we we just recommend tap water is fine um, with a good amount of like pressure behind the tap so that helps irrigate the wound does some a little bit of immediate debridement so water debridement and it helps flush out any of the possible uh, germs that were in there Another idea you might want to consider for a first aid kit, besides all the aforementioned ones, is um, having a flashlight handy. Just basic common sense. Uh, a good flashlight, spare set of batteries, 
check your batteries regularly um, if you're not using a flashlight because the, the batteries do degrade over time. Um, so that's just some safety ideas to have in your first aid kit in your car. Okay. Gloves, plastic bags, uh, if you still have access to plastic bags or small garbage bags. And the reason I, I suggest this is if you have someone you're helping and there's a lot of bleeding and there's a lot of bandages becoming blood soaked, you want to put them somewhere safe. So when definitive advanced care does arrive, um, you want to be able to hand that over to uh, the paramedics or whoever's taking care of this person because uh, that's considered biohazardous material. And we as a, a normal, regular population, uh, for that much of uh, soiled uh, equipment should be taken care of uh, properly. Okay. And most hospitals have facilities that they either can treat that with or uh, facilities that can take care of that kind of biohazardous waste. All right. There's some other minor things, but I, I do believe here's a good spot just to kind of gather your thoughts. This is what we're going to go into. So as a recap, we had a bit of anatomy, uh, the, the difference between dressing and a bandage, different types that we can use around the house, commercial or improvised ways we can have a fairly well stocked uh, first aid kit in our home or our car some ideas of what you can put in there I would dare say the only two things you cannot really improvise are gloves and a face shield those are two things that um, you really need to have that is commercial now the face shield is optional if you're not going to be doing any mouth to mouth at all Okay. If your goal is to just to do compression only CPR, fine. Gloves, just get yourself uh, several uh, pairs of gloves. Have them handy. Um, put them in Ziploc bags or some kind of a um, sealed bag. And having some extra sealed bags on hand doesn't hurt either. Some empty ones kind of goes with the same line of having a couple of small garbage bags. You never know what you need till you need it. Uh, safety pins, um, tape, scissors. If I think of anything else for the next episode, I'll definitely include it. Okay. Thank you very much for joining me. For those of you who'd like to email us, it's podcastfab at gmail.com. All one word podcastfab at gmail.com so if you have any questions, comments suggestions uh, please, I'm open to most any comments uh, being respectful of course and mindful of not everyone's situation is the exact same that's why I try to make these episodes as broad as possible taking into consideration not everyone listening to the, this podcast is in Canada or North America you have a great day. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and be well.